the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 262 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Every one of us here experiences conflicts at this level. Everyone. No one has a perfect relationship with anybody else. No one has a perfect uh, relationship with their spouse. Every couple has conflicts. There are conflicts with children. There are conflicts within the the church membership. There are conflicts within uh, uh, the context of a fellow worker, people you work with. If you don't think there are, you have conflicts, you're just lying to yourself. You have conflicts. They have conflicts with you. Conflicts at school. Conflicts youth group. Conflicts with people. Wherever there are people, there are conflicts. There is an old joke about a man rescued from a desert island who showed his rescuers the three buildings he had made. One was his house, one was his church, and the other was the church he used to go to. We have so much conflict built into us that if there is no one else around, we just might fight with ourselves. How we approach the inevitable conflicts of life is tremendously important, and we'll be considering that today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is leading us in a study of the life of Nehemiah. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily classes are the radio version of his practical messages. When we attempt great things for God, Satan will attempt great things to stop us. One of his tools is interpersonal conflict. The enemy had been using that method with great effect against the people who were trying to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. In chapter 5 of Nehemiah, we will see how he restored unity so the project could continue. Here is Pastor Steve with today's lesson. I invite you to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 5. We're continuing our study of this wonderful Old Testament book, the book of Nehemiah. And I'd like to read from chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. Verse 1 says, Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many, therefore... Let us get grain that we may eat and live. And there were others who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses that we might get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. And now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters are forced into bondage already. And we are helpless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. Then I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words, and I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, you are exacting usury 
each from his brother. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them. And I said to them, we, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now, would you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us? Then they were silent and could not find a word to say. Again, I said, the thing which you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? And likewise, I, my brothers and my servants, are lending them money and grain. Please, let us leave off this usury. Please, give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, also the hundredth part of the money of the grain, the new wine, and the oil that you are exacting from them. Then they said, we will give it back and will require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. So I called the priests and took an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. I also shook out the front of my garments and said, thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possessions who does not fulfill this promise, even Thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And they praised the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. On July 4th, 1776, a group of men huddled together in a room in Philadelphia and they signed a document known as the Declaration of Independence. It was a solemn moment. It was a serious moment. And uh, there was some silence after this as they were reflecting upon the the significance of what they had just done until the oldest men or one of the oldest men there, Benjamin Franklin, said these words. He said, gentlemen, now we must all hang together or assuredly we will hang separately. That's a significant statement because Ben Franklin recognized that even more important than defense against England was protection against internal disunity that would threaten them. Now, that's really what Nehemiah chapter 5 is about. That's what these verses are about, internal disunity. Let me just remind you that in context, we are going through a portion of this book in which there's conflicts. Uh, We would say there would be satanic conflicts. There's opposition to the rebuilding of the wall about two and a half miles uh, around the city of Jerusalem. That's what Nehemiah is about, rebuilding the wall, restoring the people, getting them back to the word of God. And there's opposition to this. This is the third incident in a series of incidents about satanic opposition to rebuilding this wall. The first attack, if you recall, was an attack of ridicule, stinging words. They called the Jewish people, their, their Gentile enemies, remember Sam, Sambalat and Tobiah and, and others, called them feeble. If you look back at chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we read, Now it came about that when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry, and he mocked the Jewish people. He verbally mocked them. Verse 2, he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria saying, what are these feeble Jews doing? And he goes on to say that, uh, do they really think that they can do this? And and, uh, verse uh, verse 5 says that they were discouraged. The Jewish people were discouraged. Nehemiah said, uh, as he gave what we would call an imprecatory prayer, Lord, deal with them. But he says at the end of verse 5, for they have demoralized the builders. Lord, we're We're demoralized. We're discouraged. That was the first attack. Ridicule, uh, stinging words, criticism. The the second attack came in the form of a threat of physical violence. Got a little more intense. In chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says that uh, uh, these men, Sambala, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, heard that the repairs of the walls of Jerusalem went on, meaning in spite of the fact that there was ridicule, 
and uh, and that the breaches began to be closed. They were very angry and all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause a disturbance in it. So they said, look, our words didn't uh, cause them to stop. Let's attack them. Let's plan a surprise attack. And uh, did that work? The, uh, the 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 whole threat of physical violence? Well, it discouraged them. Verse 10 said, thus in Judah, it was said the strength of the burden bearer, bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish. We ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. These people who were so energetic now say we're unable to do it. All we see are piles of dirt and rubbish. The little piles look big to us and we're we're just fearful, we're scared, and uh, we're discouraged. Now, each time opposition arose, Nehemiah dealt with it. However, now in chapter 5, he's confronted with the most dangerous and subtle uh, of all attacks on the work of God. The, the attacks that you get, the attacks that I get, this is the most dangerous. And what is it? It's internal disunity. It's internal conflicts. It's problems within an organization, problems within a marriage, problems within a, uh, a working relationship, problems within a family, problems within a church, problems within ministries within the church, Sunday school, uh, Bible studies. Anytime you put people together, internal disunity. And that's the real problem. If you notice verse 1 of chapter 5, now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. So you have Jewish people crying out against other Jewish people. That's internal disunity. In fact, this is the same expression used in Exodus where it says that they cried out to God because of the oppression of the Egyptians. This is the same Hebrew word, same expression. They're crying out to God and they have internal problems. And these are really the hardest to deal with. And I'll tell you why. Because with ridicule, with the threat of physical violence, uh, they use weapons that we can easily identify and, and deal with. You know the enemy. You know their weapons. It's clear. You can deal with those things. But internal, internal problems are much more difficult. And the reason is because the weapon of internal conflicts or the weapons are centered around selfishness. Self-centeredness and selfishness is really a tough enemy because it requires that I acknowledge that I'm selfish. It requires that I humble myself and repent. It requires that I confess it and it requires that I uh, deal uh, and respond to what God wants me to do. And that's that's not always the easiest thing. If, in fact, the cartoon character Pogo said it best when he said we have met the enemy and them is us. That's that's a tough enemy when I'm the problem. That's really hard. Internal conflicts usually arise because somebody uh, is so determined in either a family, a church, an organization to get their own way. Or somebody didn't get their own way. Or somebody did get their own way at the expense of somebody else. And you've got problems. However, oftentimes what happens, we excuse those problems or we don't call it selfishness or we, we make all kinds of rationalizations. And so uh, it's, very, it's a very difficult enemy to deal with. Now, that's what was happening in Nehemiah's day. Some Jewish people were exploiting their brethren, other Jewish people. And if this didn't get resolved, it really threatened to destroy uh, the, the work of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And remember we said the reason this is so important because here in the 20th century we would say so big deal, they didn't have a wall. But if you don't have a wall and you don't have protection, if you don't have protection, it's as if to say to your Gentile neighbors that our God isn't great enough to even help us build a wall. We're defenseless. Come and get us. It's really a reproach against God. So you have to understand it in the culture of its day. 
Uh, today, a wall doesn't mean anything. So big deal. We'll play paddle ball against it. I mean, but, th- but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the reputation of God. Now, the question that we need to ask ourselves, because when, when you're dealing with an Old Testament passage like this, uh, one of the things you want, you want to know is not simply what it meant in Nehemiah's time, but w- how does this apply to us? How, how do, what do I do with this? I'm not in Jerusalem. I didn't live back then. How, how does this affect me? How does it apply to us? Well, every one of us here experiences conflicts at this level. Everyone. No one has a perfect relationship with anybody else. No one has a perfect uh, relationship with their spouse. Every couple has conflicts. There are conflicts with children. There are conflicts within the the church membership. There are conflicts within uh, 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 the context of a fellow worker, people you work with. If you don't think there are, you have conflicts, you're just lying to yourself. You have conflicts. They have conflicts with you. Conflicts at school. Conflicts youth group. Conflicts with people. Wherever there are people, there are conflicts. Every relationship has conflicts, and there are biblical ways to deal with these conflicts which we want to learn today. And the problem is there are unbiblical ways to deal with these conflicts. And many Christians do not take the biblical approach. They take the unbiblical approach. And some people, as a result, have left churches over over conflicts that have not been resolved. Some churches have splits. And you know what I'm talking about? Uh, some In some situations, um, they may not call it a conflict because nobody left. But you know what happens? A cold war settles in. And uh, it's just beneath the surface to, to erupt into something big. You can sense the tension because the conflict has not really been settled. And some people just live like that. And, they, and some Christians live like that. And they think it's the norm. They think it's the norm to pass people in the hallway who uh, uh, you really can't stand. And you're ready to explode if they just say the wrong thing. They think it's the, the norm because they've lived with it so long. It's not the norm. There are some people who are polite on the outside, but inside there's turmoil. That's not the way that God wants a believer to live. And so this is a very important passage of Scripture to us. From Nehemiah's approach to resolving the internal disunity crisis, uh, we really can learn how to deal with conflicts that arise in our marriages, our churches, personal relationships, workplace, all of that. Wouldn't it be nice to know how to resolve a conflict biblically? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to know what God has to say about how to resolve conflicts? Because we all have conflicts. Well, that's what we're going to learn this morning. So I encourage you to take notes and I encourage you to put these things into practice. And if you don't have a conflict with somebody today, you will have it down the road. And so you need to really apply these truths to our lives. This is what Bible study is about. It's not just learning doctrine. It's not simply storing information in our minds. It's learning the truth so that we would please the Lord in obeying the truth. So from Nehemiah, we're going to learn three steps to biblically resolve an internal disunity conflict, regardless of what that conflict might be. Because some might say, but you don't know my conflict. No, I don't. And you know what? I'm glad I don't know your conflict. I have enough of my own. And I've got to follow these. So we're going to do we're going to look at three steps to resolving biblically conflicts. The first step to biblically resolving an internal conflict is to, first of all, identify the conflict. By the way, these are not hard. This is not hard. And you have God's grace to obey. This is not hard. This is not that deep. Just obedience is required. First of all, identify the conflict. We read in verse 1, Now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish 
brothers. Now, the chapter begins by telling us that the Jewish people were crying out not against their Gentile enemies. That's unusual. That's really startling if you have read through all of Nehemiah. But now they're they're crying out against their Jewish brethren. And the situation was so desperate that Nehemiah says that even the wives got into it. Normally, you may think there's a joke coming, but no, I'm not even going to say a joke here. Not even going to say it. Uh, normally, wives would not get into a conflict like this. So you understand how desperate this is. The wives are crying out. The, the men are crying out. The children are crying out. Uh, everybody is upset. Now, what were their specific complaints? The crisis centered around economic pressures. Economic pressures with three different groups of people voicing their complaints. And probably these individual groups were at different levels of the conflict. I don't think these are three different conflicts. I think there were varying levels of the of the crisis uh, spiraling down as it got worse. Verse 2 tells us about one group. For there were those who said, we, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. These people were probably at the first level. And uh, they were poor. And they were large families. And they were running out of food. Uh, they were hungry. They uh, They probably... God in this situation, we're not told, but I'm just I'm just guessing here that it's possible that they um, had not tended to their to their uh, vineyards, their farms, their fields, because they were the men were concentrating on rebuilding the wall. And perhaps by doing that, they uh, were not uh, they were neglecting their fields. That's very possible. Whatever the situation, we know that uh, they needed grain. They were hungry. They were crying out. Another group. Spoke up. And by the way, it's probably why the wives got into it, because they were to cook it and they knew they didn't have the food and their families. So it's a it's a family crisis. Verse three tells us about another group. And there were others who said, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our houses, that we may get grain because of the famine. So there was a famine, whether it was caused by neglecting the field or not, we're not told. But due to famine in the land, some farmers had to mortgage their property to purchase grain. Now, verses four and five tell us about another group. And I think this group had reached bottom. This was the worst. All the other two were on their on the path to this uh, to, to the final level here. Also, there were those who said we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. And now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers. Our, our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters are forced into bondage already. And we're helpless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Now, what do they mean by this? This third group, I think, really got to the heart of, of the conflict when they told Nehemiah that they borrowed money to pay for the taxes of King Artaxerxes, the Persian king. There were heavy taxes. And they said we had to borrow Money. We don't even have money to pay and uh, we have to pay our taxes in order to repay these loans. They were forced now to, to sell their children and their property uh, to, to their creditors. They had to sell them because that was the way that you, you handled finances. Then if you couldn't pay back, your children had to be sold into slavery. Your property was gone. And what they probably mean by verse five is, is this. And it's a pitiful, pitiful verse. Uh, we're human too. We're very human and we love our children just as much as our creditors do. We love our boys. We love our, our girls and we're willing to work to earn the money to buy back our children, to buy back our lands, but they own our lands. We can't even work our lands to make money. We're in a helpless state. I mean, that's a pathetic situation. Our children are gone. Our land is gone. Um, and we can't even make the money 
to, to buy back our children. And they're crying out against their Jewish brethren who were the creditors. Now, that's the problem. So, as I said before, as it would appear, these three groups are really in the same conflict, economic pressures, and they're just spiraling downward. And so that, that's the problem. Now, we, we want to note uh, just a, a few things before we really delve into this and, uh, and get to the heart of the matter. Two significant things about these verses. First of all, the pressures of life that you face, the pressures of life that I face, that all of us face in the 20th century, are really not different than the pressures that they faced thousands of years ago in Nehemiah's time. What pressures do you have? you have economic pressures? Not enough money? How about uh, high taxes? You complain about taxes? High interest rate? I mean, does that sound familiar? Maybe you don't sell your children into, uh, into slavery, but you've got pressures like this. You see, the Bible is not outdated. The Bible is not irrelevant. The Bible deals with human problems for every age and for every era. So we, we want to understand that this is, this is not something that, that you say, oh, that was their problem, it's not ours. We struggle with taxes. We struggle with economic pressures. We struggle with high interest rates. Secondly, I noticed that Nehemiah listened to these people and allowed them to express themselves. That's very important. These problems have been brewing for a long time. They did not develop overnight. And Nehemiah listened to them and he gave them the opportunity to speak their minds, which means that the first step, and note this, the first step in resolving a conflict within your home, your church, your, your work, your school, your youth group, whatever, is to talk about it, to talk about it, to get it out in the open and to discuss it. Nehemiah gave them that opportunity. One of the, the reasons why some people and some families and some churches never resolve anything is because they just don't talk about their problems. They just don't talk about it. They think it's going to go away if they don't talk about it. They either pretend that it doesn't exist or, or whoever's in charge doesn't really want to deal with the real issue. Because you know what? It hurts the, the, the pride. You have to really be transparent. And some of this stuff really hurts. So communication is just surface and it's just superficial. I said, I was raised like that. I was the king of surface and superficial talk. The worst thing we can do with a conflict is ignore it. It's like squeaking brakes on your car. It's not going to go away on its own. It will just get worse and worse until it finally ends in disaster. But talking about the problem is not the entire solution. It has to be done in the right frame of mind. And Pastor Kreloff will consider that on the next Verse by Verse. We're glad you could join us today. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 28 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve has some thoughts to share with us about Verse by Verse and how you can participate if God leads you to do so. I'm Pastor Steve Preloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. Two things come to my mind. One was a lady who wrote a letter to us and said, you make the Word of God sound easy. I mean, that was, she was saying, you, you make it understandable. And I actually hung that letter up in my office. You make the Word of God easy to understand. And that's really what we want to do. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727 727- 441-1714 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 58. 
84, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. We have more information at our website, versebyverseradio.org. While you are there, you can also listen again to this class or any of the hundreds of previous broadcasts on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to order a CD or a cassette of this entire three-part message, please give us a call at 727-239-0306. If you call outside of normal business hours, please leave your name and a daytime phone number so that we can return your call. The number again is 727-239-0306. There are those who consider anger sinful. In fact, it is considered to be one of the seven deadly sins. The anger we see or feel most often probably is sinful. But Dr. David Seamans said, Anger is a divinely implanted emotion, closely allied to our instinct for right. It is designed to be used for constructive, spiritual purposes. The person who cannot feel anger at evil is a person who lacks enthusiasm for good. If you cannot hate wrong, it's very questionable whether you really love righteousness. End of quote. Pastor Steve Kreloff will show us how Nehemiah used anger constructively as part of his method of diffusing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.